first thing Roy Brown said to me in full cookie makeup was, Duh, I broke my arm in three places. And I said, don't go in those places. And he turned to the producer and said, so far, so good. Clowns have been around for as long as you can remember. Have you ever wondered what kind of person is behind all the makeup? Maybe you've even wondered why on earth someone would want to be a clown. Well, in this podcast, join your host as they take a journey Behind the Red Nose. Welcome to a brand new episode of Behind the Red Nose. I'm Brian, better known as Bullseye the Clown. And I'm Jeremy, but you can also call me Crispy. And I want to take this opportunity actually to officially welcome Bullseye as the new permanent co-host of this show. Aw, thank you, Jeremy and Crispy. I'm happy to be here. So Bullseye, if I asked you throughout all of history, who's the world's most famous clown? There's only one name that comes to mind, right? Yes, Bullseye the Clown. Oh, no, <laughs> that wasn't the right answer. Okay, no, I guess that would have to be Bozo the Clown. And today we are honored to have the man behind the big red nose and even bigger red hair, Joey DeAuria. Joey is a renowned film, TV, and voice actor who played Bozo on WGN-TV Chicago's The Bozo Show from 1984 all the way until the final episode in 2001. Since then, he's done numerous projects, including most recently, The Tom and Jerry Show and The Jungle Friends series. Please welcome Joey to the show. Hey, Joey. Hello. Good to see you guys. Well, actually, hear you guys, because no one's seeing each other right now. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So let's go back in time to before the Bozo show. Were you always a performer? Is this something that's always basically been in your blood? Oh, yes. I was a student at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York City. Uh, As a matter of fact, we would have people come in and talk to to the actors. And one of the people who came in, one of the first people who came in and did a seminar for us was Buttons the Clown. I don't know if you know of him. Of course, Leanne McBride, one of the most famous Ringling Clowns out there and the founder of Pronos and Proface. He's probably one of the best Santas out there. Next to the former co-host of Behind the Red Nose, Lee Louie Andrews, of course. Yeah. And uh, he spoke to uh, the acting students and tried to encourage some of them to uh, get down to Florida and uh, and and uh, attend the clown college. And one student did. And his name was Marty Robinson. He was a very good friend of mine. Marty. Uh, later went on to design the man-eating puppet for Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, wow. And he is, uh, he's also known as Mr. Snuffleupagus on Sesame Street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So that was my first introduction to, to clowning there. Um, I'm not a real clown, but I played one on TV. <laughs> and uh, uh, let's see. From the American Academy, I did uh, – I toured with Children's Theater. Um I did dinner theater back in the in the late 19, mid to late, well, mid 1970s. And uh, dinner theaters had a notorious habit of going bankrupt. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I found myself stranded in um, Ohio in a town called Miamisburg. Um, from there, I went to Denver and then from Denver to L.A. And I uh, continued with my career in L.A. doing uh, I guess they call them under fives, small parts on TV shows. I would, I would play a delivery boy on Alice or something like that. <laughs> and um, 
And I had a few friends that were in the voiceover game. Uh, one most notably, Richard Epcar, who is a very big name in the world of anime. He uh, he was doing some directing, and he hired me to do uh, some looping, which is putting in English uh, voices for foreign cartoons. And uh, we would go to this uh, we would go to this recording studio at ten o'clock at night and would record all night and not get out till six in the morning. Dedicated to your craft. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, it was darn good money. Uh, one of the other things that I did to earn money back in those days was uh, I worked at Universal Studios, and they had a a, a, a makeup uh, show called Castle Dracula, and I played Renfield. And we did this whole show where basically um, Renfield and Dracula are torturing various members of the audience. And uh, while I was there, one of the fellows who played the Incredible Hulk, what the Incredible Hulk has to do with Dracula, I don't know, but he was part of the show. <laughs> they hired a couple of big guys, bodybuilders, who would be covered in green paint and would show up as the Hulk and chase Renfield at the end of the show. <laughs> anyway, one of these guys got hired to do a promotion at WGN in Chicago. And what happened was, back in the days, a lot of television shows would buy old TV series and run those in syndication. And WGN bought The Hulk with uh, Bill Bixby and mm -hmm. Lou Ferrigno. And so they hired this guy to to be the Hulk and to, to lumber through Daly Plaza wearing nothing but those ripped up shorts and green <laughs> and green body paint in December. <laughs> yeah. And so he did it. And while he was there, they had him do a guest shot on the Bozo show with Bob Bell and Roy Brown. And so, uh, he, he did a, he did a, a, a bit where, uh, where, where Bob Bell gets cookie mad and cookie runs behind the curtains and they hear fabric ripping and they hear him roaring <laughs> and all of a sudden Bob who who was the fella in the Hulk makeup came out and chased off Bob Bell that was that was the good thing. <laughs> that's funny and they gave him a copy of the tape and they brought it back to uh, Universal where we were all working and they popped it in the VCR to play for us and I went Bozo? Is there still a Bozo show on the air? <laughs> I remembered Bozo from the 1950s and, and, and early 60s when I was a kid. Right. Anyway, I thought that that was amazing. And then uh, a few years later, I, uh, I ended up doing The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, in which I had uh, seven candles, little tiny ones, big fat ones. And I would hold my hand over each flame and scream in a different key, depending on the size candle. And I would do smoke that's in your eyes. My next guest is Joy D'Oria. Uh, he is better known for his stage name, Dr. Flamo. If I could just have a little silence, please, to be sure the candles are in tune. glad I didn't see the rehearsal. And and that was just a dumb act I did, but I was excited because, you see, back in those days, being on The Tonight Show 
literally meant that your career was about to get started. Uh, in fact, I got a personal manager the next day. She said, um, they're, um, they're holding auditions for, for Bozo the Clown at KTLA. Would you like me to get you in on that? And I told her in no uncertain words <laughs> what she could do with Bozo the Clown. <laughs> and it was not very polite. And, um, and, I, and I said, no. I knew so many people who were ex-ringling clowns. I knew, I knew five or six guys that were ex-ringling clowns and mimes and jugglers and Venice Beach street entertainers. And I'm sitting there going, these guys have more clowning. I'm, I'm an actor. I am not a clown. So I didn't go. And I had an audition in Hollywood that day. And as I was leaving, I found myself driving uh, down Sunset Boulevard past KTLA. And I saw a line that stretched for three blocks with all these clowns, everyone in white clown makeup in line. And it was an especially hot day in in L.A. And I'm I'm just seeing these puddles of white grease paint. (laughs) And it's like, oh, these poor guys. But I figured they're going to find what they want. Anyway, several months went by, and my wife read an article about the fact that the only people that auditioned for the part were mimes, jugglers, clowns, and then speech street entertainers, and they didn't want that. They wanted an actor who was under 60, who understood old-fashioned burlesque and vaudeville comedy, because that was what Bob Bell and Roy Brown did. They basically did old vaudeville bits. And my wife said, they did everything but put your name in this article. So <laughs> I, I I packed up my, uh, my, my videotape from The Tonight Show, and I mailed that to Chicago. And within two weeks, they called me and invited me to come in an audition, which surprised me. So I figured, okay. So I, I came in, and uh, they, uh, they put me in one of Bob Bell's old costumes and wigs, and they hired a makeup man to do the makeup. This fella, I guess, had been a, a circus clown. And he had this cigarette hanging out of the corner of his mouth as he's putting the makeup on, <laughs> blowing cigarette smoke in my face. Going, you know, I uh, I did a lot of circus work back in the day. I was going to... Like <laughs> and he said, but good luck to you, kid. <laughs> it's like the glamorous world of television right there. And just as I get the, the wig on, Roy Brown comes running in in full cookie makeup because we had just, you know, about five, about an hour earlier, we had walked through the show and walked through the bits. And Roy said, hey, you're in luck. This is going to be the biggest audience we've had for an audition yet. And that surprised me because apparently whenever they had somebody who was in their, you know, I guess in their in their top five or six choices, they had them perform in front of a live studio audience. And it was like, what? Nobody told me I was going to have to do this in front. And at first I was angry. And then I thought, I'm in clown makeup. If I don't make it, these people won't know who I was. <laughs> well, I basically, I, I chewed up the scenery. I had, I, I just had a wild time. And Roy and I, 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 I immediately knew what it was about because when I walked into the studio, the first thing Roy Brown said to me was, Duh, I broke my arm in three places. 
And I said, don't go in those places. <laughs> and he turned, he turned to the producer and said, so far, so good. <laughs> so, so is this whole audition process, was this whole audition process just completely improv or did you have like a, a cold reading or what? Well, it was improv. It was what the, what the Al Hall, the producer of the show used to call the Chicago school of television, which <laughs> meant you were given a scenario. And you would walk through it once, then you'd walk through it with the cameras another time. And then when the lights were on and the show was live, heaven only knows what would come out of your mouth. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a great deal of improv. In fact, they kept trying to get people from Second City to audition for the part, but none of them wanted to do it because they said they don't have clown experience. But frankly, I think some of the Second City people would have been brilliant. And of course, I did have a background in improv. And that was it. Um, you know, this a scenario would basically be Bozo enters the room, Cookie is making pies, Bozo steals a pie, and Cookie turns around and can't figure out what happened to the pie. Bozo sneaks in again, steals the next pie. On the third pie, on the third try, Cookie catches him. Bozo hits Cookie with pie, blackout. I mean, <laughs> That doesn't sound really funny, but that's, that's pretty much how it would work. And um, so the whole thing depended on the the faces we would make and 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 the repartee once he caught me, and 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 that. So you know that was where the improv came in. So how did you find out you got the job? Uh, Al Hall said to me, "We have to make a decision by the end of this week." I said, "Okay." And I took the makeup off, went home. Uh, three weeks went by. So I figured, well, I didn't get it. And just as we were getting our son ready for school, the phone rang. It was Al Hall and said, um, could you come back uh, Friday? We're sending you a ticket. Can you can you, can you you hop on a plane and get back here on Friday? I said, sure. Is, is this a callback? No, no. We're offering you the job. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, hang on. And I put my hand over the phone and I said to my wife, you want to move to Chicago? And she said, what? I said, they offered me the job. And she said, yes. Oh, so that wow. was it. And oh, I wow. mean, literally within two months, I was living in the, in the uh, Hancock, uh, the John Hancock building and rehearsing, leaving my wife to deal with movers and to move our stuff out of the house and then into an apartment once uh, once she got there. But uh, it was it was a hectic time. Tell me about the first time that you put on the Bozo makeup for real, right? You did it for the audition, but like the first time that you put it on and you walked out on set, what was that experience like? Well, knowing I had the job, um, about a, the show was in summer reruns at the time. They were still running a lot of the Bob Bell shows. And I would come in every day and Al would have me come in, put on the makeup, take the makeup off, put the makeup back on, take the makeup off, just so I, I could get used to doing the makeup. And, you know, you, you do it two or three times, you pretty much got it down. <laughs> but Al was a pedantic guy and he, uh, he said, do it again. So <laughs> do it again. And, uh, but that was it. 
And then once we finally started taping the shows, and I'm in the dressing room with Roy Brown, who was Cookie, we would chat and we would discuss the bits. And, you know, again, the scripts were so threadbare, we would spend our time in our dressing room throwing gags back and forth to each other, trying to come up with bits of business to either stretch it to make it a little longer or find a joke to put in there somewhere. So so that was it. And walking on walking in the stage on, on the first day was uh, was pretty good. From Chicago, the Bozo Show is on the air. And now here's Bozo. Hey, I got an important question to ask you. <laughs> Are you all set for lots of fun and fabulous prizes? Well, they are, and I really hope you are, too, because it's now time to play Bozo's Grand Prize Game! So for um, for clowns or really any performer um, who have to get themselves into character before they walk onto stage, um, is there anything special that you did? Did you have like any type of a pre-taping ritual that you went through, or did you just kind of put the makeup on and go and wing it? Um... Well, I'll tell you, you started getting into character early when, when you first arrived and we did the walkthrough where we would get our scripts and we would hold them in our hands and we would walk around on the set and, and discuss it. And by the time we got back into the dressing room and had the makeup on, we were ready to go. <laughs> and it was very funny. My wife said there was a very thin line between Bozo and you. <laughs> and you spent the next 20 years erasing that line. <laughs> um, and I would laugh. I mean, as Bozo, I had this rather high-pitched laugh, which was dumb. <laughs> and it became my own laugh after a while. And my wife and I were at a restaurant one day. And I can't remember what it was, but my wife said something very funny. And I went, <laughs> and. <laughs> and as I got under control, my wife said, I wish you could have seen what was happening behind you. And I went, what? And she said, 10 kids stood up on their chairs and started looking around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so yeah. funny. So speaking of your voice, I had read somewhere that Dan Castellanata, who I know is the voice of Homer Simpson, had said that the voice of Krusty the Clown was heavily influenced by Bozo. Um how did you find, though, your Bozo voice? It took a while. Um, I originally based it on Milt Larson. And then I found that that voice was too <laughs> He sort of talked right about here. And I realized Bozo was not a dumb guy. Bozo was the wise guy. Bozo was the straight man. So I eventually moved him into my own voice. Uh, my wife said that there was a lot of Bugs Bunny in my, in my Bozo. <laughs> Uh, cause he was a smart aleck and, and, and that was pretty much how I, I played him. Um, but, uh, yeah, Dan Castellana, who I met when he was still, uh, he was still a member of second city. Uh, he, yeah, he based, he based his, uh, Bozo voice on Bob Bell. Now, Bob Bell, Roy Brown, Frazier Thomas, all those guys were chain smokers. <laughs> and I saw some early videos of Bob Bell where, um, hi kids, how, how are 
you. But as he got older and the cigarettes took a toll on his voice, the voice came a little more down around here. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the Clown comes from. You know? That's great. So do you have any memorable stories from that time? I mean, obviously, were there amazing days that you'll never forget? And then on the flip side, were there any that were really challenging for you? Uh, no. Sometimes, you know, you, you weren't feeling 100%. Sometimes you might have a little bit of a cold, but you had to come in. And uh, trust me, I have a great immune system because parents would bring their kids to that show <laughs> no matter how sick they were. Wow. Constantly, kids coming right into my face going, I love you, Bozo! <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i I've, I've i've got the immune system of a water buffalo <laughs> so everybody thinks that uh being a celebrity must be like amazing but did you find that there were any disadvantages or drawbacks to playing bozo and being a celebrity no none because once i took the makeup off nobody knew who the devil i was <laughs> One day, my wife and I went to a very fancy restaurant, and we were told there was a 15-minute wait. And I went, oh, okay. So we, I gave them my name. And and we're sitting there waiting to, to get in. Just then, a local radio personality by the name of Bob Collins came in. The minute they saw him, they ushered him to a table. And I said, that's because people know who he is. <laughs> You know? So now tell us about that final episode. I mean, what was it like stepping into those uh, big shoes for the very last time? Well, it was, it was, it was sad. It was very sad because frankly, we had, we had a lot of, we had a lot of camaraderie. We had things going, we had the show working, but we'd been placed in a lousy time slot. They were giving us no promotion the handwriting was on the wall. But I was looking forward to it. And I said to the producer, you know, this last grand prize game, you've got all these prizes. What are you going to do with them if the kid only gets to bucket one? And he went, gee, I don't know. I said, well, I'll tell you what, since it's the last show, let's cheat and let both kids win everything. And Al said, yeah, sure. Why not? And so I did it. And the first time I cheated to, to, to let the kid get another ball, the audience went, whoa. And I stood up and I went, hey, it's my show. I can do whatever I want. What are they going to do? Fire me? <laughs> and, and that line got picked up by several television critics. <laughs> All right. So let's talk a little bit about life after Bozo. You know, I know many actors get typecast. Unfortunately, you were hidden behind makeup. Um, did you find that being Bozo was a good thing as you moved into TV series and video game work? I had to leave Chicago. I realized I've, I've got to get back to L.A. while I still have a lot of publicity on who I am. I mean, I was getting a lot of natural publicity, so I figured I'm going to use this and get back to L.A., so I got to L.A. and people wanted to take meetings with me. And then September 11th hit. Oh, yeah. And the entire industry shut down for over a month. And by then, I was old news. <laughs> so 
So it was it was difficult to get people to take meetings with me. However, then I got a call from an old buddy of mine who said, hey, you did kids television. Uh, I have a friend who's producing a kids show and they need a writer. And so I I went in and I wrote for a show called Betsy's Kindergarten Adventures. And I wrote most of the scripts for that. And they had an all-name cast. They had Tom Bosley. They had Sally Struthers. Oh, wow. And the voice of Lilo in Lilo and Stitch. Anyway, a lot of name talent. So I would write the scripts. And occasionally I would write in a character that nobody could do a voice for. (laughs) And they go, oh, what am I going to do? And I said, well, I could do that. And I would do the voice. And one day their agent came and they signed me. And I've been with uh, I've been with CESD ever since. And through them, I I got auditions for uh, video games, and I got the voice of uh, Alistair Asmuth in Ratchet and Clank: A Crack in Time. Sometimes the universe has a cruel sense of humor. And I, I did a couple of other uh, video games. the The only advice that I can give to people who want to get into the voiceover industry is make friends with people who are producers and directors. (laughs) (laughs) And write scripts that you're the only one who can read. Exactly. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the craft. So what is the difference between like a good performer and a great performer, whether it's in voiceover work or whether it's on the set of like a TV show? A good performer is a good performer. Uh, But a lot of good performers sabotage themselves by being late by not paying attention and and not keeping their eye on what they're doing. Uh, I have seen less talented people succeed because they were focused. I think focus is the most important thing. When I have a voiceover job, I generally show up, you know, 10 to 15 minutes early, just in case there's something that they need ahead of time so as not to waste their time. You show up early on the set if you're doing a film or television show. That's, you know, that's pretty much it. Pro- professional behavior. Right. Let's shift gears a bit back to clowning. Do you think something like the Bozo show could have survived in today's atmosphere? Yes, I think so. Had we been given a better time slot and promotion, I think the WGN's Bozo show would probably still be on the air. I heard David Arquette bought the rights to Bozo. Is that correct? That is correct. In fact, I spoke with him uh, about a month ago. And uh, he's he's reintroducing Bozo at some big event with uh, the Big Apple Circus in Brooklyn, New York uh, this month. Oh, wow. I also know that WGN, are they not doing like a big Bozo special like this week or next week? Yes, they have found some old footage from a number of uh, Bob Bell Bozo shows, shows from the 70s. Which is interesting because WGN did not save a whole lot of stuff. That's too bad. When Bob Bell started doing the show, the show was live, so nothing was taped. Uh. Then when they started taping the show, after they, they, they taped the number of shows, they would do reruns in the summer, and then they would, they would uh, then take those shows and use the tapes and tape over them for the next season, Oof. which is why they did not save that many Bob Bell shows and why they didn't say that many of my shows because the show I did in 84 was taped over for the show of 83, which was then taped over for the show of 84 and so on. Speaking of Bob, did you have any kind of relationship with Bob Bell at all? Or did you ever have any communication with him? 
about two weeks into doing the show, <laughs> I'm I'm doing the show and I'm I'm seeing a guy standing back uh, in the, in the background near the uh, assistant director, and he's a very distinguished man in the three piece suit. And uh, I walk over to the assistant director to because the prop table was there, and he he leans forward and goes, "How's it going, Bose?" And I went, "Oh, fine, fine, fine. Uh, we have to get ready to do the grand prize game, you know." And I walked away. And as I walked away, he turned to the assistant director and says, "I don't think he knows who I am." <laughs> so I then walked over to Roy Brown and said, "Who's the suit?" <laughs> and I said, "That's Bob Bell." And I went. That's Bob. Now, I did not grow up in Chicago. I never saw any of the of the the the, the shows that Bob Bell did out of makeup, so I did not know who he was. But uh, we later uh, talked after the show, and then I I got to spend some time with him when we did the 25th anniversary special at Medina, which was a lot of fun. It probably was a good idea that you didn't watch Bob Bell do his show. So that when you started doing Bozo, you weren't copying everything that he did. Well, I'll tell you, um, this goes back to before I auditioned. The big thing that they had to do was every time someone came in to audition was tell them, stop imitating Bob Bell, which is what everyone did. In fact, one guy, one guy went so far as to make his own Bozo suit from wig to shoes and literally tried to crash WGN. <laughs> and the guards had to literally drag him out. And I mean, yeah. so oh, I mean, wow. and that was it. I only saw a couple of shows with Bob Bell because I wanted to see what the dynamic was between him and Cookie. And I, I felt that my bozo was going to be different anyway. And I was told from the beginning, you can't be the same. So that was, that was it. Now looking back on it, is there anything that you feel like was particularly impactful, even including the Johnny Carson show? I would think that it'd be pretty amazing to think that you had those experiences. That was, that was pretty amazing. But the thing is, as an actor, there are few jobs that give you 17 years of security. And it was, you know, it was, it was a great job. I mean, a lot of clowns, if they're not associated with a circus, and there aren't that many circuses working anymore, it's not a skitty gig. You're doing it because you love it. Uh, the same is true for actors. That's true. Yeah. I do have one, one quick last question because I was curious about this. Were there any like requirements as far as Bozo, like height-wise or weight-wise or anything like that? Did they have like any type of physical requirements? That's funny. When I was a little boy, we used to get a thing called Weekly Reader at school. And there was an article about Larry Harmon and his Bozo College. And it mentioned that you had to be at least six feet tall. Oh, my gosh. You know? Yeah. Uh, because Larry Harmon was six feet tall. <laughs> and so that was another reason why I didn't go to the audition in L.A., because I'm five foot seven. <laughs> but uh, when I told that story to the producer, Al Hall, he went, no, nah, it doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Really, it uh, was amazing to hear your stories and get a little insight into 
what it was like for you as Bozo and your life behind the red nose. Yes, and, and, and hopefully if uh, David Arquette brings Bozo back, maybe we can get you back on Bozo. Well, if, if they did bring Bozo back, I would love to be on as a consultant and a writer. But um, I think I'm a little long in the tooth for the red nose. <laughs> Do you want to uh, take us out? How would uh, Bozo close the show? Oh, let's see. What did we do? Oh, well, yeah, the the way we would... I don't have a whistle. Oh, dear. <clears throat> well, uh, we hope you had as much fun today as I had. <laughs> so now it's time for the Grand March! And that would be pretty much it. And, um, and I will say that every time I said that, it was true, because um, I, I hope that the audience would have had as much fun as I did. Because there was never a day that I did that show that I wasn't having the time of my life. I'll speak for both. I had the time of my life having the chance to speak to you. So thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you both very much. <laughs> He's the one with the ton of fun. He's the ace with the crazy face. A mile of smiles and a laugh in a half. He's the clown that won't let you down. Seven o'clock weekday mornings on Channel Nine.